Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Baum. My guest this week is the incredible painter, Jillian Evelyn. I first met Jillian 10 years ago when I was living on my booking agent's couch in between tours in Boston, and uh, I got to know her only a little bit. Uh, but watching her career unfold via social media has been super awesome. We, uh, we ran into each other, I believe it was earlier this year, but time doesn't really exist. That we, we couldn't pinpoint exactly when that was, uh, but we've been meaning to catch up properly, so this felt like the uh, perfect opportunity to do so. Um, I wouldn't dare try to describe an artist's style on their behalf, so I pulled this quote from uh, her website to best describe her work. All right, Jillian Evelyn's paintings combine the contorted female figure with graphic shapes and a limited color palette. Her work explores the struggle of womanhood and the anxiety that arises from societal expectations. There you go. Uh, her site also mentions uh, that she lives with her pug, Ollie, who, if you're listening on headphones or at a louder volume, you may hear snoring and breathing uh, in the background. So Jillian wanted me to assure the listeners that it's not her, that it's her dog. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's really awesome. Jillian's, an, like I said, she's an incredible painter and she's really sweet. And uh, I love this conversation. And um, I hope you do too. She currently has a show going here in LA, which we talk about and uh, I'll post about in the uh, in the paragraph about the episode just to remind everybody. All right. This is the first ever podcast. And this is my conversation with Jillian Evelyn. Jillian, thank you so much for doing this. It's uh, it's exciting to talk to you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm ex actually really excited to talk to someone um, that's not in the art world. Usually I get interviewed by other art people. So this is cool. Right. Well, so yeah, it's going to be my attempt at trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to your world. So this is like a completely different experience. <laughs> I like it. Um, so you're... Uh, it's funny. I think I always thought that you were from Massachusetts because obviously that's where I first met you. But you're from the Midwest. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm from Michigan. Yeah. So I lived in Boston, though, for like almost six years. OK, OK. Um, what part of what part of Michigan are you from? Uh, Ann Arbor. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, it's I'm at, right outside Ann Arbor. I'm from Chelsea. It's a small town. OK. Did you uh, did you go to shows at the Metal Frat? Oh, I didn't. I went to the Blind Pig. Oh, I don't know if I know that spot. There was uh, when when Touche first started touring. There was like I don't know if it was just like the DIY venue, but it was it was literally like a fraternity house on the college campus, and it was called the Metal Frat, and it was a very odd experience. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my only connection I I really have to uh, to Ann Arbor. Um, what was it like growing up there? Uh, it was. I mean, so. I grew up on on a lake, like further out in the country, and it's funny because you're you're from. Are you from LA or outside? Yeah, LA? yeah, from born and raised in Burbank. Okay, so I, I was thinking about that, like how much more cultured and into things you probably were, because it took me. I mean, my school was. I don't know. I feel like I was one of the few people that went out and went to concerts and like I ma finally made a couple friends in high school. But like discovering music and whatnot was uh, like life changing for me. But it was probably like it took so long and like 
like when I went to college, it was like this whole other experience of being like, oh my God, there's this whole other world that I didn't know anything about. Like it was playing, like playing catch up. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Like Michigan's great. It's a pretty state. And I don't know, I went to college in Detroit. So, um, I don't know if I'd ever move back necessarily, but I liked it. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's, it's funny. I've had this conversation with, with people for growing up in Burbank was kind of interesting because it's the media city capital of the world, right? So it's like we're all like the movie studios and uh, TV stations and record labels and all that stuff sort of are. But it's like if you grow up there, your parents likely work in the industry in some capacity. And because of that, they're like so burnt out on it that they don't really go out of their way to expose anyone to it because it's like just they're part of the machine. So like in a weird way, we had to sort of find our own uh, version of of subculture because uh, it's like not really considered like L.A. proper. So it was like it was. Yeah, it's like a weird place to it, it's like a weird city to grow up in. It's it's uh, it was very, very strange. Like we were like the definite like weird outcast kids trying to find anything that was like interesting. You know, I think we learned anything from like the rock station when we were young. Did uh, did Ann Arbor have uh like record stores or anything like that uh that you remember going to well so like i was a good half an hour outside of ann arbor so i mean even for me to get to school was like a 30 minute um drive so there was really nowhere i mean i was i literally would ride my bike to this store called unidella and get penny candies like it sounds like i grew up in the 50s but (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful though that's really sweet what did your folks do uh, so my dad, so my entire family, very Michigan, worked at uh, GM. They met, my parents met at GM factory. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So and all my aunts and uncles basically either worked for Ford or GM. And then my dad also built houses on the side. And then when I, my mom was a stay-at-home mom probably until I was in middle school, I want to say. And then she went back to school for interior design. And then she started designing kitchens. So oh, they wow. kind of... um. Yeah, they both have a little bit of a creative side, but it's more in like building and house uh, layout and design. Yeah, it's like the the it's the artistic lane that um, has a steady paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's the, the smartest version of that, I think. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, what was, do you remember what your first experiences with art was that you first found yourself like kind of being enamored by? So I've always drawn like my mom always tells me this story about when I was like three or four of her just watching me and like her trying to figure out what I was drawing because I'd always start at weird points that normally I guess wouldn't be a starting point for something. Then all of a sudden I'd have like a vase and she'd be uh, just really surprised how I got there. But I didn't really like go to any take any extra classes or have any other um, art besides what was provided in my school. But I was always one of the kids that could draw. So I kind of kept doing it because, I don't know, when you learn that you're good at something, you want to keep doing it. And since I did grow up in the country, it was kind of a way for me to keep busy by myself because I had three older brothers. And yeah, they I'm not very athletic. So it was like my <laughs> thing. Yeah, like uh... – you know, I've always been interested in that because I think as a as a little kid, so many of us try our hand at 
art in one capacity or another you know like i think for a lot of like boys you get interested in in like comic books and things like that so then you try to draw what a version of like that would be you know whether you're watching like marvel stuff or like gi joe or something you know and then you realize pretty quickly that you're not good at it <laughs> so which was definitely something i was a part of i like that was that was a similar thing for me so like i'm i've always been curious though when you how do you realize that you're actually good at the thing? Is it by people around you telling you and like motivating you to keep doing it? Or like, is it something within you that goes like, oh, I think I actually know what I'm doing? Well, I don't think when you're a little kid that you actually think you know what you're doing with anything. I think it is like the motivating of people being like, oh, that's good. Like, and to just, I guess, finding interest in it. So it was like what I always wanted to do. Um, I always got in trouble too growing up or like in class in school for drawing on all my notes or like on my tests or whatever. Mm. I'd always get marked down. I also went through a really bad phase of drawing on my clothes. So like if I didn't have any paper in class, like I would draw all on my pants. Wow. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of interesting too, considering like later on in your life, you ended up working for for companies that you kind of ended up doing that ended up kind of becoming your job for a while there, right? That's fair to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I was doing it to make my cool my clothes cooler. It was just, I think, <laughs> how I coped with my ADD in class of being like, I-, I can't do anything, but I need to be doing something right now besides just listening. Right. And do you remember really what you were what you were kind of sketching and drawing even when you were, you know, distracted in class and drawing on yourself? Was it just like random things or do you feel like you were starting to develop the thing that you, you know, would later on be kind of known for? Oh, gosh, no. Well, no, because I didn't even start drawing the like the females and figures that I do now until like four years ago. So when I was younger, it was a lot of um, well, first, like, you know, elementary school was a lot of drawing cartoon characters, Um, you know, and two, like I would always redraw Daria. And then um, I used to always to do portraits because I was boy crazy. So I drew a lot of Will Smith. And I drew okay. a lot of Travis Barker. <laughs> those were my crushes. <laughs> Please tell me you still have some of those. No, I don't. Unfortunately, Aww. I wish I did. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. That's that's incredible. Do you do you still feel like or, or like were your portraits very um, like realistic or were they more cartoony? Um, I'm sure I was aiming for uh, realistic <laughs> and I'm sure they looked very cartoony. Okay, nice. And when you said you were drawing like cartoon characters or and things like that, like what were you said? You, you mentioned Daria. Was that kind of more yeah. the style that you were leaning into? Yeah, that and I, I mean, I remember drawing like Eeyore. I remember going through this phase where I uh, discovered how to draw like you know, like in cartoons when like their eyes pop out, like when they're like, mm-hmm. ooga, <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. just draw like cartoon characters constantly with their eyes popping out. That was a phase I went through. And then also like aliens were really big. I remember when I was in like fourth or fifth grade and I drew a lot of aliens. Sure. Like, yeah, like the like there was that big era where I feel like every like skate shop or something like that all had, you know, I think it was like when X-Files was probably like at its peak where that became like. I don't know, like a fashion statement or something. Yeah, something. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so you you ended up going to to like an art school, though, right? In Detroit. Yeah, I went to college of creative studies. 
Okay, how was that experience for you? It was good. So I I honestly didn't think like art was something that I could do something with. When I was in high school, I was planning to, you know, go to a university or a state school of some sort. And then um, one of my friends who actually like uh, was like my best friend in high school, the person that I would go to shows with who attempted to teach me how to skateboard, um, <laughs> not graceful, uh, his brother went to art school and his dad was actually an art teacher. So that really got me like more into it and they helped me put together a portfolio. And so, yeah, I event at first I was didn't think I was good enough to go to like be an illustration or fine arts. So I was in advertising design slash graphic design. And then after my first year, I switched to illustration. Was that a, was that like a scary jump for you? Cause you were still trying to kind of figure out what you were aiming for yeah it was it was scary too because I one of my teachers at the time told me that I wasn't good enough and I shouldn't switch but I was kind of I had it in my head I was like well I'm just gonna work really hard and I did you know like it was what I I love to do I was like I know I can't keep doing just like type stuff like it wasn't it didn't pique my interest as much so yeah it was really scary and it was skill I mean it especially like an art school you get there and like when you're at your school you're used to being the best at your school so it was like me and another kid who was way better than me um that went to CCS from my high school but getting to call like getting there and all of a sudden like oh there are kids that went to art high schools that can like draw circles around me. Like it was the most humbling <laughs> experience ever. So, yeah. And yeah, I'm curious. So, uh, you know, you're you're definitely known for for being a painter, and I'm and I'm wondering how it was deciding like what type. This is excuse, this is me being not very educated in in painting in general. So I know there's obviously different types of of paints. How did you come to to connect with the one that you use? Like what what uh what's your like what what kind of paint do you use when you're when you're making yours? So I use acrylic paint and it's mostly okay. cuz it dries faster. I'm I definitely am a hand dragger. <laughs> like if I used oil or whatever, like I would just smear everything. That's also like I struggle with like pastels or charcoals or whatever because I'm really bad about leaning on whatever I'm working on but I mean first I worked digitally for a long time and like that's how I got into footwear because I would make repeat patterns and uh graphics so I I mean I would paint somewhat in school and also acrylics leans it since I went to school for illustration like gouache and um acrylics and watercolors, things that dry faster, like lean themselves to illustration. Because back in the day, you know, you would have to actually pack up your painting and mail it to like whatever editorial magazine or whatever you were um, creating an illustration for. So that was also what my education was a little bit more focused on and how to use. Interesting. Yeah, I I, I had someone else on the show that that uh, that is actually a graphic design artist. And you know, talking to him about his, his, uh, his early stages of art. And, you know, we were talking about, like, I remember I tried to do watercolors when I was a kid. And I think that in general pushed me away from doing art because it was just so difficult. It's so difficult to not just 
soak through the page and just feel defeated by it. Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I have to imagine when you figured out what you actually liked, considering you, you mentioned like the difficulties of charcoal and, and things like that. Like, was it, was that like a, a, a rewarding experience to realize like, Oh, okay. I can actually do this one. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, I, I bet it relates the same to music. It's like the one, the genre or the um, thing that you lean into more comfortably and that fits. Um, yeah, I think, and two, my brain just works and like flat, like I like flat. I gravitate towards um, solid colors and like lean away from texture and whatnot. So it also was just finding something that worked within my taste, you know? So yeah, like, and I don't fuck with watercolor. Like it's not, in, I, I, I'm sure if I wanted to sit down and learn, I could eventually get better, but it's just not what I enjoy doing as much. Yeah, it's like, so, yeah. I, have to, I have to imagine you want to make, <laughs> when you're painting, you're doing it because you you love doing it and it's enjoyable, not you don't want to stress yourself out and have a bad time trying to make something work, right? At this point, especially. Uh, I mean, I think that's it's good to do that. Mm-hmm. I think like I still try to like push myself and to explore other mediums and sometimes it goes terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, how do I, how do I recover from this? Usually like, but that's, that's how you learn other things. And uh, yeah, I still try to do it. it I think the, the problem is, is leaning too much into what you're comfortable with. Okay. Can you expand on that a little bit? Cause I think that's interesting. So I think since I'm kind, I like, I consider myself a little bit of a late bloomer since like I didn't come into my style until I was almost 30. And then, I mean, I always still painted with acrylics and whatnot on the side, but I feel like if you don't explore, like you're never going to really fall into new pathways. Like I still try to think of the... like I'll draw plenty of other things that I won't post or share on Instagram or like I'll try different techniques. And a lot of times they go awry and it doesn't look good, but I'll learn something else out of it. Like I wish I could think of an example of um, something that maybe I've learned recently. Um, I mean, even so that's, that's, I feel like that's just great advice in general. I feel like no matter what your art form is, you know, it's it's easy to get stuck or not even stuck, just like so comfortable in, in the thing that you do that like I, I feel like I don't care who you are. At some point, you're going to get that you're going to hit that point when you're like, I want to try something else. And then maybe you're too comfortable in what you are so used to doing that, um, you know, you're almost, you become sort of afraid of a failure. I'm curious, though, in the art world, like breaking away from the thing that you're most known for or you know what I'm saying like trying something new do you feel like there's a forgiveness in the art world uh for trying something else because like I'm thinking of relating to say a musician like say like if a band who's known for being you know like uh an indie rock band all of a sudden tries to put out a hip-hop record and it maybe doesn't go well or something like that is there a forgiveness if that if that same artist then goes back and to what they're known for like is that like a weird thing that happens or like uh what like what are your thoughts on something like that i think there's a little bit of a forgiveness i think that it more goes like you'll 
like Ali, I even noticed once, like I had these few paintings that I was adding texture and I was um, really like piling the paint on in some areas. And those were so much harder for me to sell. Hmm. And so I was like, and then too, I also was like, oh, this isn't working. Like I aesthetically don't enjoy this as much either. And so I went back to painting completely flat. And I think there is more forgiveness, but I also think that it's tough because like you need the sales to keep it going, keep making money. But um, I don't know. I think about it with musical. I compare it to that. Like, you know, like everybody wants like your first album or like that first experience that they had with yeah. you that they really enjoyed. But I think it's important for a creative person to shut that off because like you your viewers or whoever's into your work isn't the one that's like actually living or knowing that you put that out. So like the more I get into my career, I understand when I listen to an album, I'm like, oh, this is so much different than I anticipated from this musician, but I I respect it more. Mm. You know, because then it's like, oh, okay, they're growing and then they're pushing themselves. They're not just trying to remake the same hits again and again. And I think that that's probably a better way to live as a creative because you're not getting stuck on other people's expectations of you. That's absolutely very true. And um, I mean, you have a you have a art show that's actually this is, you know, we talked a little bit uh, yesterday when I saw you, this is like a perfect, you know, time to have a have a show with you because you have a show currently going on um, at subliminal projects here in LA. Um, that's Shepard Fairey's spot too, right? That's interesting. Yeah, correct. That's. Do you know him at all, or like, how did that come your way? Yeah, so I, I mean, I know him in passing just from like the show and whatnot, uh, and of course, I know his art. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I did the Juxtapose Clubhouse like three years ago at Art Basel, and I got then I met Sarah, who's the director of Subliminal Projects, and she offered me a show, and. Yeah, so it's kind of – the art world is kind of small. Like you end up crossing paths with a lot of people and especially like when you go to events like Art Basel and whatnot. And yeah, so it's even interesting. Like with that show, like that was kind of a long time ago and my work has evolved and changed so much. Um, But I'm really glad it still worked out and the gallery was so supportive of like the growth and the change that I made. Like they easily could have been like, so for for example, I made vases at uh, the clubhouse. Like they could have easily like made me and been like, no, like we need this. This is what we want to see at the show. And there was none of that. Is that a thing that happens? Like where uh, if a gallery is interested in having your show that they give you sort of an expectation of what they want? Or is there a little bit more creative freedom or does it depend on what the gallery, like who's doing the gallery? I definitely think that some galleries have more of a hand in what they're their artists are doing and I think that might come with more of like also kind of managing you and representing you and you're the they're the only gallery that you work with but I I've been lucky in that I haven't ran into too much of that and I'm also kind of stubborn anyway so <laughs> well that's I don't good know though. If I would listen <laughs> uh, and just for listeners if uh because this will come out uh you know obviously before before the gallery ends it's uh it's called it's still life and it's uh it's here in LA at, like I said, Subliminal Projects. It's November fourteenth to December twentieth. Um, and obviously, congratulations on that. Is it is it an interesting thing having this? Is this your first gallery that's uh, that you've had since the COVID situation? 
Yeah, which has been crazy, which is it's I mean, it's it's a bummer in a way, but at the same time I think everybody's life has been impacted in much worse ways and other ways where it, it's fine. And I'm so like it's a very much a different opening than I anticipated. But it it's been I don't know if do you have you been to art you should because I don't know if you have I don't know if you go to art gallery or art openings often but it's been really nice to be able to make book appointments during COVID and just go and have the gallery to yourself and to look at art rather than like when there's openings they can be packed and you really don't even get to experience the artwork so that's been nice where over opening weekend uh, you know people had made appointments and they came and it felt more like they were coming because they wanted to enjoy the work, not just come to a a scene, you know, and be there because right. of Shepard's DJing or like free drinks. Right. Like they, it's, it doesn't feel like a, like it doesn't feel like a, like a weird social hang. It's more like exactly. people who actually want to experience the whole point of the entire thing. I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, I saw it's like a by appointment only, only over the weekends. Um, that's awesome, though. I mean, seriously, congratulations. And I'm glad that it's working out in in a positive way. You know, I think we're all trying to find the positives in in any of this. So I'm glad that it's working out. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it, it worked out well. And it's the art world is definitely changing. Like the show almost sold out before it opened, which so then that means that no one even saw the pieces in person. Um. Yeah, I think like the internet and just the way that things are handled through galleries is a little bit different now and that's more common. So yeah, I'm curious to see how this will impact it. I definitely can't wait for real openings to happen again and like get <laughs> to see friends and get to see people. Yeah. But um, we can backtrack a little. I'm actually, we can backtrack a little bit. Um, I was curious. So for you, did you go from uh graduating in detroit to boston to work for converse was that kind of the move yeah so i got an internship at converse after college and so i went out there for the internship and then i stayed working there for four or five years how was that experience for you like especially starting out obviously you know like this is a whole it's a whole new world i have to imagine like how uh how were those first experiences for you with with designing you know for a big company like that it was wild, honestly. Like sometimes I look back and I'm like, what were they thinking letting me design shoes? Like, I mean, I went to school for illustration, but I graduated during the recession. And at first I was like, I had a one-way flight, like bought to San Francisco and an apartment set up. Like my plan was to go there. And I like wanted to live like the art dream of like being freelance and doing my own thing. And then I got this, found out I got the internship and I was like, well, it's paid. I can't just turn up this, like turn down this opportunity, even though like I'm really not that interested in the fashion world. And so it was this really weird thing, like uh, going into this field and I, I, the thing is, I got it because I worked at Journeys, you know, in the mall oh, sure. for when I was in high school and when I for part like a little bit when I was in college. So I had in the at that time, that was like one of their biggest um, 
supply like stores that they worked with. So like I had a good idea of the the customer and like how Converse. So like I had that with me on top of like my background and of making patterns and whatnot. So it slowly evolved and it also became this thing of like, oh, I want to figure out how to make a shoe. Like this is so it just became this thing that I just wanted to do because I was involved in this environment and it was really exciting and it was really cool to get to learn how to like make patterns and like actually go to the factories. And for a while I was there, it was really hard for me to sometimes I wouldn't appreciate it as much as I do now because I was like, well, how is this like this isn't what I want to do in the long run. But now I look back and it taught me so much about color and merchandising and working with people and like I got to travel the world because of them. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Like they um, – when I was there, we would do something called um, inspiration trips and we'd like – I've been – I've got to go to Paris, Tokyo a couple times, um, Amsterdam. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've just been all over because of them, and it was a really great experience. Like, I learned a lot, and I still carry a lot of the stuff that I learned with them. And I needed that time to grow. There's no way. Like, I would have fallen flat on my face if I would have tried to go freelance right out of school. Like, completely. Like, it took me a long time to really, like, find myself as an artist. Yeah, I was going to ask when you were – so when you were working there and, and you know, devoting so much of your time to – obviously the company, were you in your free time still developing your own, your own expression like on the side? Totally. Yeah. I used to, so my style was really different. I used to do really cutesy, whimsical. Uh, I mostly would draw animals too. And I think that came from like lack of confidence. And like, I was like, okay, well, this is the thing that I, it, I can do. And, um, it's not offensive. It's doesn't carry any emotion with it. Um, and it's kind of expected to me to do happy, cute things as a female. And I just thought like, okay, children's books, like that's something that I want to do. And the longer I was like trying to develop that style, like it like the more I realized like it was not, it wasn't me. But I tried to make it for a really long time. Yeah. How did you come to, how do you come to terms with something like that where you're just like, ah, this, I just don't feel right about this. Like, is it something that kind of like lingered over your head and then you didn't want to like fully admit to it. And then you're like, ah, no, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Is that like a hard realization to have? Cause I think, you know, a lot of us go through that in our life. Yeah, I think so. I was at Converse for like almost five years and then I went and worked at a design studio for like 10 months and I was terrible at it. I was an art director there and like I worked so much but still like could not fully wrap my head around – like we did a lot of like packaging design and toy – like things for like Hasbro, like Star Wars. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But I just couldn't – it just was not for me at all. Um, and then so I left and decided to go back into footwear and I got a job at Tom's, which is what moved me out to California. Oh, and so, okay. yeah, when I got out here, I was like, you know what? Like I give like I throw in the towel. I'm just going to focus on footwear and try to make this my thing. And so I was did all the prints and graphics and kind of like ran that for Tom's and like 
I stopped making any art outside of work for a year. And then all of a sudden, just like the buildup of being so unhappy at a company. And it, and also it was just mostly like it just didn't fit for me. Like it, I wasn't being true to myself. It wasn't necessarily just the company. Um, and then like going through a breakup, like I just had so many life changes at once. Then I just started making some work outside of like art outside of work to get those emotions out. And then that's when my style actually started to evolve. So I think I needed to break before I could actually figure it out. Yeah. And I think I, I had read if I, and I, you know, I'll, I'll summarize what my assumption is, is that, you know, with, with the female form being in a contorted sort of sense, that was sort of your way of expressing how you were feeling, being sort of locked into this thing that you were uncomfortable with. Is that, is that like a fair, yeah, a fair way totally. to summarize? That was, um, I feel like that was me all through my twenties where it was like me trying to fit into through everything, like high school to, so like, Two, I feel like as a female, you're constantly trying to like look a certain way. And, you know, like when I was younger, I struggled with like an eating disorder and then like rebelling against that. It was just like so confusing for me of like trying to be something that I wasn't for so long. And like that's bending these women into the canvas or different shapes and forms was like how I felt. Like I constantly felt like, I was trying to form myself into things and it was so uncomfortable and yeah, so it came from like a very honest place and then my work now is slowly evolving out of that because I feel like I have grown as a person where I don't feel like I need to bend anymore and I don't really give in to those expectations anymore. When you left the corporate world and you started working for yourself, I was curious, like, do you have any, I guess, like any advice for any like aspiring painters? Because, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing to do to just be like, I'm doing this for myself now. Like, do you have any advice for for anyone who wants to take that gamble? Well, first off, you're going to get better if you're doing it full time. You know, like there it's scary, but I think that if you really want to be dedicated to something um, that the time that you put put into it is going to matter. So let's – so for example, like I've been doing this for three years, four years full-time and my drawing has gotten so much better in that short amount of time where compared to the eight years that I was in footwear – it was so slow, you know, like that growth did not happen that quick, but that was because I was doing something else all day and then either drawing in the morning before I went to work or drawing in the evening. So you will get better, which is important. Like you need to give it that time, but also like be smart about it. I, I mean, I actually, I don't know if this was smart, but I cashed out my 401k and paid off my student loans. Like I did I took on a manager position at my building that I was living at at the time to get my rent lower. Um, I paid off my car, like just all my savings. Like, so then I was like broke, but right. at least I only had to pay like $800 a month for rent and then- uh, Cell phone or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was doable. 
Um, and I think that's the thing is like, if you really want to make it happen, like what, how can you lower your overhead? I think mm. that's the biggest thing is like, okay, well then what do you not need in your life? Right. Um, I think that, I think that what you're saying is, is very helpful and very real. Like I, I think for anyone who come, who wants to make it in whatever art form, it's always, you know, you have to be able to have like a built-in hustle aspect to like figure out whatever you can do to make ends meet, to make the, to, to continue to make the thing that inspires you, you know, like I doing this band as long as I have, like, I haven't had like a straight job since like 2008, nine or something like oh, that okay, because wow. it's, but it's because it's like, you know, I know what it's like to live f with very little, you know, like I can, I, if I have to eat, you know, uh, uh, top ramen and, and whatever else for a while, like I'll do it because, you know, I just, uh, I got to a point where it's like, I just can't have it. I, I can't have a boss. Like, yeah. I just, I need to, I'll, I'd rather, you know, eat like shit and, and, you know, make zines or make or sell record or, you know, sell records of my own or trade records or whatever I need to do, um, to, to get it done. So, um, yeah, I but think that, I, I like the idea of, of, uh, becoming a manager at the apartment. That's a good hack. That's a good hack yeah. right there. Yeah. That made it possible. That was like the littlest things. I think my rent was like 1350. And then I was like, okay, eight, 800. I can do this. Okay. That's doable. Like I could yeah. maybe at the time my paintings were probably, I could only sell them for a couple hundred dollars, but mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just do a few. Like, yeah, it was a lot of hustle. Like I really had to figure some stuff out, but I think if you have the drive and it's all the aspects in your life, um, I don't know if have you at all like heard anything about that book, uh, Atomic Habits? No, tell me about it. I ha I didn't finish reading it. I've read the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of my life too. I'm great at buying books. That's that's about it. Yeah, exactly. But it's this whole idea that like if you make little changes like everywhere that will um, improve like your goals. It's like, what are you willing to like change and give up so that you can do this better? So like, I mean, you're straight edge, right? Yeah. So I used to drink and smoke weed and everything. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm tired of being mediocre. Like, I'm going to give this stuff up because this just gives me more hours in the day. And like, I don't want to be hungover anymore because it affects my work. So it's like those little things of being like, Okay, hey, what are you going to change in your life so that you're actually better at this goal that you have? Because every little thing matters. Totally. Yeah. One of the reasons that I've just continued to be straight edge is, is uh, it's like, yo, drinks are expensive. And like, I, I'm still, I don't really have any interest, really. I still don't. It's why I don't drink. But like, you know, that's like an extra like 10 bucks on every meal. You know, if you, if I wanted to have a, a drink with my, with my dinner, like most people do. So like for me, it's just, it's always been a way to save money to not have another thing to spend money on, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. And it adds up more anyways, like even like Ubers and whatnot. If you have to Uber oh, right. to every event you go to, like there's so much stuff. Like, so there's so many little things like that where like, I don't think that like, it's not all in just like the work. It's a lot of like changing your lifestyle to make it possible. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, 
And you know, I'll, uh, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, time flew with this. Um, I, I, we could wrap this up with, uh, asking the last question, which I like to ask everybody is, uh, do you remember the first time where you felt like you were actually doing the thing that you'd been working so hard towards? I think so. There's, it's kind of a two part answer for me. I think the moment that I did the juxtaposed clubhouse like three years ago, maybe it was four, whichever, um, and that's then, in Miami, right? That's in Miami. And it was for Art Basel. And then right after that, like multiple galleries like reached out to me, like Jonathan Levine and Subliminal. And like for me, and then Juxtapose wanted to, um, they did a feature on me in their magazine. I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm on to something. Cause this is what I've, I mean, juxtapose i mean that i found juxtapose because i used to be you know so into music and then album art like jeff soto had done like that finch album and then like we didn't even i mean i know you interviewed alex pardee Mm -hmm. like he used to do so much stuff for the used and whatnot and that's back when i was in high school like i used to look up to these other artists and i found out more about them through juxtapose and so getting that and actually realizing that you know like galleries that i artists that I looked up to show had shown at were reaching out and then just gave me that confidence to be like, okay, like this is, I am doing something right. I don't know. I don't feel that confident or feel like I'm that good yet, but like, I'll just keep doing it. Right. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool to hear when I, when I talked to, to Alex, the importance of juxtapose to his career and then it's awesome to hear how much it's helped yours i remember when i i mean even last night when i was doing some research i you know i went to the juxtapose site and typed your name in you know they've done several features on you now which is so cool to see so congratulations on that thanks yeah they're they've been great yeah definitely well thank you so much for your time i i and again uh if, if uh if you're listening to this and you you live in la um Jillian has a has a show uh it's called it's still life it's uh november 14th through december 20th and um yeah do you have any other are there any other galleries potentially in the future or are you just focusing on this one for now uh i have i mean everything's kind of up in the air for covid but um Mm -hmm. i should be showing with hashimoto contemporary in new york in june 2021 and then i have a show in hamburg with um some other female artists in the fall, I think November next year. Oh, that's super cool. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, this was a, a total pleasure. And it was nice catching up. You know, we've obviously, you know, we we met so long ago at this point. And uh, I know, it's, it's been it was like a 10 good years. I know. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, running into you in in, uh, in Atwater, um, which I, I still feel like we don't have the timeline on when that actually was. I feel like this year melted our brains away. But uh, <laughs> totally. it was such a such a joyous like, oh, my God, it's, it's Jillian. It's so good to see you. So. Um, I'm glad we got to catch up and uh, and have like a long conversation. Yeah, this is so great. And then if you ever, because now I have so many questions for you, I want to know. So if you need okay. someone to interview you on your own podcast, I will do okay. it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, I'll let you go. Okay. Bye, Jillian. Thanks. Bye, Jeremy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. 
Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Yeah.